1: Hey guys, before we dive into this episode, I want to mention our show sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Now they have a wide variety of bee products like royal jelly, um, hemp honey sticks, but I want to talk to you today about their Bee Elixir Brain Fuel. Now this product comes in these little vials. Don't make the same mistake I did and take the entire vial in one sitting uh, because you will literally be buzzing around like a bee. This thing hacks through brain fog, gives your body and your brain such a boost of energy. I mean, it was unlike anything i had ever experienced before. I mean, it was incredible. It's because it works on your brain uh, as a nootropic, which means it helps elevate the functioning and the processing of your brain. So if you are looking for something to cut through brain fog, to hack productivity, to get deep into the zone, I highly recommend checking out beekeepersnaturals.com and clicking on their Bee Elixir Brain Fuel and use my code UNSTRESSED so you can save.
0: Thank you, Lizzie, for letting me jump into the motherhood unstressed space and share a bit about myself and an exciting new offer that I have for parents. My name is Casey O'Rourty. I have been a parent coach and a positive discipline trainer for the last 14 years and the host of Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting and humaning podcast for the last six years. Plus... I am an imperfect mom to two teens, totally in the trenches of parenthood. The reason I'm showing up here is to invite you to check out my latest mini summit, Parenting for a Brave New World, created for parents who are looking to be the designers and influencers of their lives. 2020 was craziness. 2021 is yet to be determined. I am honored to share five brilliant expert interviews focused on everything from remote learning to social justice parenting to expanding our financial literacy. The content is so good. The summit goes live February 1st. To find out more and sign up, go to www.joyfulcourage.com slash BNW and use the coupon code UNSTRESSED 25 for 25% off the cost. Again, that's joyfulcourage.com slash BNW coupon code unstressed 25 for 25% off the cost. Can't wait to see you there.
1: When Maggie Smith, the award-winning author of the viral poem, Good Bones, started writing daily Twitter posts in the wake of her divorce, they unexpectedly caught fire. Now, in her new book, Keep Moving, notes on loss, creativity, and change. She's writing about new beginnings as opportunities for transformation. Like Kintsugi, the Japanese art of mending broken ceramics with gold, Keep Moving celebrates the beauty and strength on the other side of loss. And after 2020, even as we head into 2021, I really think there's no better book for the time. And haven't we all been through... An incredible sense of loss and trauma, even if you haven't lost anyone directly. I think we can all say that this has been this has been a raucous year, and so to have something out into the world that that gives you that sense of hope and perseverance and strength, I think is such a gift. And and Maggie says in the interview, you know, she really wasn't writing it for anyone else. Uh, she was writing it for herself. She felt like she was at the bottom of a well. And again, haven't we all felt that at one point in our lives? And so just speaking with her, diving deep into the themes of the book, you know, resilience, uh, perseverance, and strength, and hope, I think is such such an incredible gift. And, and she continues to, to share that each and every day. And so I'm so grateful to have her on the show. Um, I hope that it it serves as a source of inspiration for you today, and if you know anyone who needs to hear it, share it with them as well, because couldn't we all use a little more of that in 2021? So please enjoy my episode with the brilliant Maggie Smith. Well, hello, Maggie. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to dive right in. Where did the inspiration, where did the spark for the book come from?
2: so uh every ending is also a beginning thank goodness (laughs) um so keep moving really started as a series of notes to self little self pep talks that i would write for myself in the morning usually before i even had my coffee and sometimes before i even stepped out of bed just to give myself uh a little bit of a kinder story for the day uh, and uh, some hope for how the day might turn out. And I posted them on social media, mostly as a way to hold myself accountable for, for that kind of optimistic outlook, but also, um, because I think when we share our struggles with other people, we're giving them something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I think whenever someone shares publicly their struggle, even if it's not the same thing I'm going through at the time, it makes me feel like I'm not alone, Mm -hmm. that I'm not the only one who's having a hard time, that we're all sort of in it together, even if our individual um, storms are a little bit different. So um, a couple of strange things happened. Uh, People really reacted to that. So even though I was writing these pep talks to myself, I started hearing from people who were going through their own sort of what now crises in their lives, whether it was because of a divorce, which was my problem at the time, um, or a diagnosis or a move or a lost job, or now the pandemic and everything that's meant for people. Um, And just It gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of community to be having sort of real-time conversations about grief and loss and struggle um, in a space that is often toxic, right. <laughs> like Twitter, but can be a really positive space if you use it in a positive way. Um, and, and people asked for a book. And so I never intended... It to be a book. Um, I was just going to keep writing notes to myself until I didn't need them anymore, but as it turned out, other people needed them,
1: and so um, and so it became a book. Wow, I love that origin story. I mean, yeah. it, and it really comes across in the pages too. Because I feel like when books like these come out, it, it's really hard to balance the advice and and the words of inspiration with sounding, you know, condescending or you know, holier than thou. How did you do that? Because it, it, I mean, it's just, it's perfection. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, how I did it
2: was that I was just talking to myself. (laughs) So I had a friend of mine was like, you know, I usually don't like maxims or affirmations because it always feels like someone is speaking to me from on high and telling me how I should do things better. And, and I was joking with her and I said, well, Karen, I'm talking from the bottom of a well, nah. just trying to talk myself out of it, you know, one little bit at a time. And so if my words sound different, it's because I'm not speaking from a place of wisdom, having been to this hard place and I'm trying to tell you how to get out of it. I'm in the place and this is happening in real time. And I'm actually not even talking to you. I'm talking to me, and so I think maybe that the different kind of sensibility of this book is because um, I'm not, I didn't approach this project as some um, oracle of wisdom offering these things to someone else. I really was just trying to talk myself from a hard place into, into a brighter
1: space. Yeah. And, and talk about timing, you know, for this book was written before the pandemic, before everything that's been going on lately. Do you believe in divine timing? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure the response that you've gotten has just been incredible. You know, I, I wrote
2: keep moving in the hardest year of my life personally. And so it's been really strange to have the book be published during a year that is sort of collectively, difficult for all of us. Um, And, you know, there have been challenges. There are challenges to releasing a book in a pandemic. Um, For example, my book tour happened in this chair (laughs) that I'm sitting in now. um, And I missed that um, really personal connection with people that you get to have when you give a reading and you do a Q&A and you get to sign a book and hand it to a person and personalize it and maybe give them a hug because remember once we could do that yeah. even with strangers in a bookstore and so for all of the the sort of lost things of having this book come out this year i think there have been far more positives in that that sort of dark venn diagram of emotions that i was in when i wrote it it's sort of that that overlap between fear and confusion and sadness and grief and loss and all of that, that's the space that so many of us have been in since last March, you know, it's been almost a year. And so the fact that this book might help people through this collective difficulty, again, makes me feel like I didn't go through the worst year of my life just to talk to myself, you know, right. like my hope for the book is that maybe one person who feels like I did back then gets a hold of this book because a friend drops it on their porch or their sister mails it to them or, or whatever and feels a little bit more hopeful about the future for them than they did before they picked it up. And if that happens, then um,
1: then I feel like it's done its job. Oh, absolutely. And you get that, I think that energy right back to you. So that's got to feel really good. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it's been,
2: it's been a bright spot in all of this to feel like, um, to feel like maybe somebody else is getting something from it too.
1: Absolutely. Do you think by going through that really hard time, you know, getting over the divorce, you know, moving forward, as you say, that you were more able to handle the pandemic and every all the uncertainty that came with that? Did you feel like a hardened, you know, soldier out there basically, you know, fighting <laughs> it was like, Oh, here we go again.
2: <laughs> wow. I thought, yeah, I thought life was supposed to be getting easier now. And here we go again. I mean, it, in some ways I feel like it spending that year writing this book and really kind of stewing in my juices As I say, because I think a lot of us, when we go through hard times, work might be a distraction for us. Mm. You know, if you're going through a divorce, but you have to go to the office every day and put in 10 hours, um, you're not thinking about your life during those 10 hours, you're doing work for clients or or whatever that your job entails. And and because my job that year was writing this book, ended up being writing this book, I really had, my work was processing Mm. my pain. Um, and figuring out how to parent better through it and figuring out how to work better through it. And so when when the pandemic hit, um, I definitely didn't feel <laughs> like a warrior, but yeah. I, I do feel like that time spent doing this project was time well spent because it was in some ways DIY therapy, having to spend time with these thoughts and feelings. and And I couldn't escape them because my job, was dealing with them on the page and trying to articulate the trouble and how it made me feel and how I could um, move forward from it. So I I think it's, um, you know, in some ways made me a a better parent through this um, because I know how I felt. I know how I'm feeling. I've put it into words. My kids are really, Good communicators when it comes to feelings, too. So we can have these kinds of conversations. And I think, you know, this past year, it's so important to be able to communicate openly and not bottle this stuff up, regardless of our age. (laughs)
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I have a son who's six and, you know, another one who's eight. So it's like, we do, we have to talk about it. Otherwise, you know, they don't understand how to talk about their feelings. And you modeling that I think is probably the best thing that every woman listening can, can, can get from that. Um, So when you look back at the writing, do you see the transition from bottom of the well to a little bit higher to a little bit higher? Talk to us about that. Oh, it's funny. I, you know, if I look back, I kept
2: a Word document for a long time. So I would, usually I would just type them into Twitter and then I would copy paste them into a Word document. So I had them all. Um, And even before I knew this was going to be a book, I was keeping them because I just thought, you know, I want to know how I felt during this time. It's almost like a selfie, but in words, like how did I feel on October 17th, 2018? Well, I know because I know what I wrote that morning. And so, yeah, if I go back through the Word document, I can see in the beginning a lot of, you know, the word grief and the word loss and the word sadness and the word anger. Hmm. Those words come up a lot. And then I can see if I fast forward nine months, you know, flipping through the document, I see words like light and possibility and hope coming through um, a lot more toward the end and and even now if I flip through the book when I come across a quote I have a general idea of Mm -hmm. where I was in my own journey when I wrote it because I can feel that emotional sort of weather Mm
1: -hmm. inside
2: of it and that weather changed over the course.
1: Oh yeah but I think you know it had to because you were processing it you were dealing with the darkness and I guess for the woman listening, how do you balance being aware of what you're going through, being aware of your feelings, but also moving towards the light?
2: You know, one of the things that has really helped me is making time to do something every day, even if it's only for 15 minutes, that's for me. Um, I mean, I suppose we call that (laughs) self-care, but, and it's something, you know, my therapist will ask about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a buzzword now, but I think it's important, you know, even just self-compassion, like Hmm. finding, finding time. And especially now when so many of us are living at home, working at home, or as I like to put it, living at our workplaces Yes. Um, Our messy workplaces. Yep. (laughs) Parenting at home, teaching our kids at home. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything is happening in this space and it's really hard to carve out time for ourselves. So one of the things that I've tried to do is make a little time for myself every day to do something that makes me feel like me, not me, the mom, not me, the ex-wife, not me, the the daughter or the sister or even the friend, but just like Maggie, like core Maggie who predates the pandemic who existed even before who existed before the divorce and before the marriage Mm -hmm. who existed before the kids. Like what makes me feel like me for me, it's writing. So I try to find some time to write or at least read a little poetry every day just to get myself into that headspace. Um, and another thing that I think is really useful is sort of perspective, which sounds daunting, but I I think sometimes we get ourselves into a, a place where our emotional reactions to things are not proportionate to the yeah. size of the problem, you know? And so if I can... Take a beat in the middle of some kind of crisis. Ooh, and fast hard. forward, oh, it is hard. And fast forward myself three weeks or three months or three years out from it. And then look back on it and try to get a sense of its actual size. That helps me. So if I'm in the Mm -hmm. middle of like a snarky email exchange, for example, (laughs) it feels really big in the moment. And maybe frankly, it is kind of a big deal. But if you think about yourself in nine months, are you even really going to be thinking about that email exchange? Like it, I think it helps to kind of shrink the thing down to its actual size to picture yourself in the future, remembering the moment that you're living in now. Yes. Yes. So I try to do that. And then really the other thing is just trying to have gratitude, which again is kind of a buzzword and, and it's, can sound a little Pollyanna. Like let's all be grateful for what we have when, you know, everything seems like it's on fire. Um, and the room is burning down. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the meme of the dog drinking coffee in the fire. room. <laughs> That's exactly room. what I thought. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. This is fine. It's not fine. I mean, I think a, it's not fine. And admitting to yourself that it's not okay. You're not okay. Maybe the kids aren't okay. Like none of this is okay. Mm. And maybe that's okay, because it's normal. But also, (laughs) being able to recognize what still is okay.
0: Mm. Because
2: even when life is hard, it's not all bad. There's something, you know, and so, you know, maybe it's just as simple as and important as like, we're all healthy right now. Like we've managed to get this far into this disaster and stay healthy or we're able to have social distance outside time with family and friends and you know wave at them and have have that or maybe it's that our teachers are checking in with us or um, you know we got an encouraging text message from someone or you know something good happened at our jobs but just remembering that there are still good things happening because the bad stuff yells so loud Mm -hmm. it often you know yells over top of the little whispers of the good things in our lives that remain and are still there. And maybe the new things that are sort of sprouting up that are good, that sometimes don't get enough attention because there's just so much that's wrong and so taking a little time to be like okay yes i recognize these 50 things are really problematic <laughs> but <laughs> there are probably also 50
1: things yeah and i love that you talk about the new things that are coming up because how can you right. ever hold space for the new and the exciting and the good if you're focused on all of the negative which you don't want to forget you know if your house is on fire but you know it right. does- It does shift things in such a way. I love that. I love that.
2: I mean, change is terrifying, right? Loss is terrifying. But the something else that's true about both of those things is that they can be exhilarating in the sense that you are forced, even if you hate it, even if it's painful to do something different. Um, So, you know, at the end of my marriage, I was miserable and scared and sad and I had no idea what was coming for me next but the flip side of that coin was like wow I get to make it up now yeah like what what could it be it can be anything like it can be anything now there are fewer constraints on the way that I get to sort of write my story going forward and so that's the silver lining of this and and trying to keep that in mind and hold space for the possibilities that open up when things don't go our way because it does open up possibility as a kind of silver lining to that like okay well nope it didn't turn out the way I thought but now what do I get to try, maybe that I wouldn't have tried before, because I would have just gone in my own, same old path.
0: Well,
1: right. And how many times has that happened in all of our lives where something ends and something new begins that you didn't ever foresee happening? And it's so much better. And it's so much more beautiful and uplifting. And you're like, thank the Lord that this happened, because this yeah. is so much better than where I was and what I thought I wanted.
2: And you couldn't have imagined it. I mean, that's that's the thing about, you know, we're creatures of habit. And that's a good thing in lots of ways. But also sometimes we get into our, our sort of well-worn paths mm-hmm. and we get comfortable. And sometimes that comfort can also turn into complacency where we're just kind of going through the motions. And too often we don't have an opportunity to make big changes in our lives until something, until we hit some sort of crisis point, Right. And that's really when we're allowed, um, forced and allowed, you <laughs> I was know, waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you know, like the verbs matter. Like I find yeah. myself sometimes saying, Oh, I have to do X, you know? And then I'm like, well, what if I rephrase it as I get to do X and yeah. it does feel different. And so yes, when life doesn't go as planned, you have to make a change, but what if you also can hold space for, and I get to make a change. And like, what does that look like? And I think that feels
1: better than have to. 1000%. Yeah. Do you think it was your, your writer's spirit, your writer's mind that gave you that kind of one up to be able to process it and put that into words and even just shift the language on how you speak to yourself throughout your day? Do you think that had an impact or do you think anyone can do that? I think anyone can do that. I mean, I, I
2: don't think being a poet gives me superpowers of any, of any kind other than maybe the ability to look at something and make a quick metaphor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so the book is full of, is full of metaphors. And and those really did help me, you know, looking at um, finding ways to sort of reframe my experience in a way that felt better and more open and more hopeful. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I do think in some ways writing helped that. And and dealing with language and being sort of in the business of having to be articulate about experience, I think maybe helped me process it in a different way in and in a sort of clearer way. But no, I think this is stuff that we all have access to. It's just comes down to sort of noticing, yes. you know, and taking and taking time and just being being maybe more open than we're accustomed to being.
1: Yeah yeah rewiring our brains really as we go through it you talk about those deep patterns those deep grooves physically in the brain it exists that way as well
2: yeah I mean there's a reason why having a daily mindfulness practice works yes For, for me having a daily writing practice where I was you know pep talking myself works it actually does change the way you think you're not just faking it. It actually has an effect. And I didn't really think about that as I started doing it. Um, but I felt the results. I kind of lucked I lucked into it.
1: Mm, well you kept doing it day after day. I think that's more than luck. I think that's <laughs> that's something special. Um but I'm curious how big of the theme is the theme forgiveness in your work in your life? You know, it's it is big,
2: I think, in part because it's one of the hardest things. Um, If we feel that someone's wronged us or we feel like we've been hurt or betrayed in some way, forgiveness is really difficult. And I think sometimes it's easy to uh, sort of mistake forgiveness for um, letting someone off the hook Mm -hmm. and saying it's okay. Um, And I don't think it's the same thing. I, I honestly think of forgiveness more of a kind of acceptance that what's happened has happened and there's no way to go back. And I think of it more as some an action that we do for ourselves, more mm-hmm. than absolving the other person. So, you know, if someone has wronged me and hasn't apologized or asked for forgiveness, I don't need to forgive them, right? They're not asking for anything from me. But I do need to set down the grudge because that's something I'm carrying that's difficult. And it's not something they're carrying, right? right? That pain that I'm carrying around that grudge. I mean, they, we say holding a grudge and it feels like that. Like Mm -hmm. it's a weight, like an anvil that you're lugging around. And the other person that you're holding the grudge, they're not lugging that around. You're doing it
1: for them. And now a quick break with a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Public Goods. Public Goods offers just one type of product per need one body wash, one deodorant, one type of toilet paper, and so on. Their products are inexpensive, incredibly simple, and aesthetically pleasing. I can vouch for that. I love the shampoo. And the hand wash and everything that you order from there just comes in this beautiful, clean aesthetic. So if you're like me and you're trying to revamp your pantry and your bathroom into clean and organized in 2021, this is a company you're definitely going to want to check out. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you know we've worked out a special deal with Public Goods. You get $15 to use towards your purchase of Public Goods. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash unstressed. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash unstressed. Or just put in unstressed at checkout and you get $15 to use towards anything that you like. And
2: so in some ways, you know, whether we call it forgiveness or acceptance, um, I think it's about taking care of ourselves and not, not insisting on lugging that stuff around with us anymore. It's, it's sort of about teaching ourselves to let go as much as we can without, um, without having to say, but it's okay. Cause sometimes it's mm. not okay. Sometimes mm. what people do to other people is not okay. Um, But we can learn to move on from it, I think, and set it and try to set it down so that we're not kind of poisoning ourselves by by keeping it close to us.
1: Right. And again, going back to modeling, I mean, that's such healthy behavior that you know you're you're teaching your children and every woman listening to this you know that's why we're tuning into the show is to get better to listen to people like you and and get that perspective gain that perspective and be like okay i'm going to go out into my day and not hold on to a grudge that's literally poisoning my body each and every day and to look for the silver linings in life I mean, do you feel like you're doing a good job as far as like imparting that to your children? You're imparting it to the world of Twitter and, and beyond. What about um, in the day-to-day? Because that's really what I'm curious about. Because people yeah. on the show with grand ideas, beautiful people. And it's like, really, what's it really like?
2: <laughs> oh, Mike, I mean, we have these conversations all the time. And I have to say, like the first Mother's Day after the divorce... Um, my daughter brought home this activity that she had to do in school for Mother's Day. And it was like a little sort of faux newspaper, um, you know, like sort of mock-up where they had to do like all about my mom and there were different columns. And one of the things was my mom teaches me and then there was space. And she wrote how to be optimistic. Mm. And I absolutely sobbed which seems sort of counterintuitive, but it was happy crying <laughs> because this was in May of 2019. We'd been separated, you know, for six months. I was really struggling. I mean, if I looked back to my notes to self during May of 2019, they would be hard. And the fact that she was learning that for me mm-hmm. showed me that I was modeling something without even knowing that I was doing it. And so, yeah, I mean, we're absolutely always having these conversations about kindness and compassion and but also um, not putting up with other people's stuff you know holding like being kind to others but also protecting oneself yes and knowing your worth and knowing your value and standing up for yourself and for others when appropriate and and so we're always having these kinds of of conversations often at the dinner table. Cause it seems like that's a good time to sort of like debrief and talk about the day and, um, and they're really uh, smart and wise old souls mm. who can share their feelings. And that um, like, I can't take credit for, but I will absolutely f- like facilitate and foster that in them as much as possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I never understood parents who were like, these are my children. They're mine. Da da da. I always just kind of looked at parenting as we're guides. You know, we're just here oh. to guide them until they're ready to go off on their own. That's it. Yeah.
2: It's it's stewardship, really. Yep. Like they're sort of lent to us and we're here to kind of, um, you know, shepherd them through as long as they'll let us. And then they get to go out on their own. And, and really the mark of good parenting is that they need us less and less. And so the idea of ownership, you know, I say like my daughter and my son, and they're not mine. I mean, I write about that in the book. They're not mine. They're not my children. Um, they don't belong to me. They're not my possessions. I cannot treat them like that. I can't take credit for their good behavior, um, any more than I can take the blame for, for everything they do that I'm not pleased with, but they're their own people. Um, and they came into this world with their own personalities and, and my goal is just to sort of shape them into being courageous and compassionate, citizens of the world and um which is uh, (laughs) that's just my job you know it's really (laughs) no big deal I mean (laughs) I should add that to my resume also shaping young minds into I mean it's it is a big job but you know we're we're collaborating in that like they're making themselves from scratch too and I'm just here I'm just here to help I'm just Mm -hmm. here to help you know, my son had to fill out something in school the other day that it was like, what do you want to, I, I put this on Instagram, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you just wrote a big question mark. Mm. I thought it was awesome. And I said, That's actually, appropriate." I was like, same, Rhett, same. <laughs> you know, and I told him, I'm like, I don't know necessarily what I want to be when I grow up. Like what I do for work this year is kind of different from what I did for work five years ago and mm. kind of different from what I did for work 10 years ago. And, you know, life changes it's about being flexible and finding ways to be of use in the world and finding ways to do good and feel and feel enthusiastic about how you spend your time um and how you spend your hours because this is all we get yeah so you know it's okay that you don't know at age eight how you want to spend your time yeah (laughs) just you know what you might not you might change your mind and that's that's okay
1: Yeah. How instrumental were your parents in giving you that perspective? Or were you born with this perspective? I'm curious.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't know if I was born with any perspective. I was a really (laughs) scared, um, anxious kid. And frankly, was like a really scared, anxious person into, into my twenties. And so I think, you know, anything I've learned about bravery, I've learned because I was like shoved off of a ledge and had to figure out how to get brave on the way down.
0: (laughs) Mm. Um,
2: you know, I think, you know, most of us learn how to be ourselves through difficulty. You know, when, when things are going well, we're not really thinking too much about the kind of people we are.
1: Right.
2: And when, um, when my kids are not struggling at all and life is just easy peasy, I'm not thinking too much about how I parent. Right. Right. You know, it's just, we go through the motions, but I've been thinking a lot about my parenting in the past year because they are looking to me.
1: They're right there.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're watching us all the time. Yeah. And, and, um, and so I think, you know, my parents were instrumental in that they showed up and were consistently loving and available to me. Mm. You know, they still live in the house I grew up in. I still, um, you know, we still do Sunday dinners now. We're distancing. So it, Sunday dinners, instead of all sitting around a table with my sisters and nieces and nephews and brothers-in-law, all of us, it's like an episode of This Is Us. It's just crazy. <laughs> um, instead of that, um, we you know gather all spread out in someone's backyard Aww, and kind of okay. wave and hang out. And the kids can fly their drones. And we kind of just like shout until everyone gets too cold and then we pack <laughs> up and go home. Aww. But I think just showing up. Mm -hmm. really is how my parents like unconditionally. And they didn't say, Oh, you want to be a poet? Don't you think maybe going into business might be smarter? Mm -hmm. They didn't ever try to make me somebody I wasn't. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so that those are lessons I'm learning, you know, to apply as a parent, you know, show up, be all theirs. You know, I tell that to my kids all the time. I'm all yours. What do you want to do? Like two hours, I'm Mm -hmm. all yours. What do you want to do? You've got me undivided. You pick the game. You pick the activity. I'm in. And just feeling like, you know, attention is love. Time is love.
1: Because it is.
2: It is. It is. It absolutely is. Especially for a
1: kid. I mean, that's what they equate it to.
2: Exactly. So dialing in and showing up. and, And my parents, you know, my parents both did that. And then just accepting your kids for who they are. And if they're not athletic, not making them play sports. And if they're not loving reading, finding a way to find books, if maybe it's a graphic novel or maybe it's audiobooks, or maybe it's reading together, or maybe it's, you know, doing some sort of art about the book that makes it more interesting. You know, finding ways to meet them where they are mm. instead of trying to get them to be where you think they should be because of where you think you were at that age or where your other child was at that age and your kids are not the same people. Um, You know, just really individualizing the way that you, that you parent, that's, something that I'm, that I'm always trying to do. And I'm not perfect at it. And I always tell them sometimes guys, I don't know, I'm making it up as I go, but I'm doing my my best here. I love you I'm doing my best.
1: Even that is a freeing thing to say, because they're going to remember that when they're adults and they're going to be like, well, my mom wasn't perfect and I'm doing my best too. And I think that is such a gift. That is such a gift for a child. There's, there's too much perfectionism in the world, I think. And
2: and kids feel that they feel that. And I think when we are able and confident and and ourselves to say, I actually can't help you with your math homework. Let's Google that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know how to divide fractions. Let's see if we can find something on YouTube. Or, you know what? You just ask me a question uh, that's science related and I don't know the answer. Go ask Alexa. Or, um, you know, even just with parenting, like, I'm not afraid to change my mind. You know, if the kids are like, can we do this? And I'll say no. And then they're like, please. And they'll make some sort of argument. And then I'll think about it and I'll say, you know what? I'm reconsidering and here's the reason why. And Mm. not feeling like I have to hold some hard line because I said no the first time, but being willing to be flexible and talk through when I change my mind about things or honestly taking things back. Like I know I said you could have... This cookie at eight, but now I feel like you've already had enough sugar today, so I'm rescinding that <laughs> without
1: think, apology. Right? Like I think that's such an element of mutual respect. You know, you're teaching them to engage in conversation, and that you actually do respect them as humans. They're not little people. They're 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 whole as they are right now, yeah. even when they're little. That's yeah. right. I mean, they have
2: their own they have their own stuff, but they need time alone. They can take take time alone if they want to be with me great they don't they want to read in their beds instead of having time on the couch next to me while I read my book it doesn't hurt my feelings go have your alone time so you know just just allowing them to be who they are I think they they feel that kind of acceptance oh yeah and it it just to me that feels really really
1: important I mean this year but always Mm, I love that Okay, so I do have to read one of the more powerful quotes, at least to me, from the book, and then I want to get your thoughts on that uh, as we round out. But living is a hopeful act in itself. It's a choice we make daily to be, to keep being. I'm apprenticing myself to hope and learning as much as I can. I'm making space in my mind for the good thoughts so they can nestle in and sing. That's the very end of the book. Oh, beautiful. It gave me chills when I read it. I was like, highlight.
2: <laughs> that's the very end of the book. Yeah. I mean, I I talk about apprenticing myself to hope because I think of it as kind of a teacher. Um I, I think of hope as being imaginative because in order to hope and be optimistic, we have to be able to see or imagine some kind of future that's better than the present we're living now. So if I have hope for the future, it means I can imagine things being better than they are on this day, in this moment. And I have to believe that because that's what keeps me going, right? I mean, if we if we thought that things were never going to get any better, moving through our day, whether as parents or just as people, would be nearly impossible. Like hope is what keeps us moving forward, the ability that it will get better and that we have that we are capable of making it better, you know? Mm. And sometimes that's just small steps. Sometimes it's a little thing that makes, that will make tomorrow slightly more livable than today was. And sometimes I think of the actions that I take now as actions that I'm taking on behalf of my future self. Mm. So what can I do today? What can I do this weekend to set myself up for greater peace, and happiness in the future? Like, how can I do future me a solid? Maybe it's like saying no to something, even though I'd love to be able to say yes to everything. I'd love to be able to volunteer for that, parent thing or do that thing for my kid's class or take on that extra write that blurb for that book or take on that extra client Mm. but maybe the best thing I can do is actually say no because in saying no to that I'm saying more yes to myself and that me in a month who's feeling a little overwhelmed will be really glad (laughs) that past me said no on that date and didn't heap something else on my pile so I'm, I'm always trying to think about, you know, what kinds of actions can I take that will help me in the future? And it might just be like being kind or acting with integrity, hmm. um, maybe not saying the first thing that comes to my mind when I want to, even though I have the perfect comeback.
1: <laughs> You're so articulate. <laughs> I
2: just, I just have it right there. But what does that really do? Yeah. You know, like just maybe showing a little restraint helps future me, maybe getting a little extra love helps future me. So I'm, I'm, I'm always feeling, I'm feeling hopeful about the future. And part of what helps me feel hopeful is feeling like the actions that I take help shape my own future and my children's future. And so You know, thinking about that on a daily basis, I think is empowering. It's like, what can I do now to make tomorrow a little bit easier? Yes, and it can be something as simple as meal prep, or (laughs) you know, cleaning up the dinner dishes right after dinner, so you're not at eleven o'clock at night thinking, "Oh God, I've got to do that now," Mm. or the next morning. I mean, it can be really simple steps to just make the next day a little easier. But sometimes it's also just how do I behave. Yeah. What, what do I take on or refuse to take on that might make that might make me in a few days a little happier and a yes. little more able to handle what's what's being thrown at me.
1: Well, and at a time where we all feel a little out of control, I think again, this is such a perfect book for that because it is taking back our power day by day with these little actions, with these little ways that we speak to ourselves and others and I just, I think we should end it on that because I think that that's such a beautiful, beautiful message that you're sharing with with me, my audience and the world. So thank you, Maggie.
2: No, thank you. This was really lovely.
1: This episode is sponsored by Beekeepers Naturals. And like the name implies, all of the products with Beekeepers Naturals are derived from bees and what they produce. So things like bee propolis, royal jelly, everything that's found in the hive that's been reformulated for you to use to help keep you healthy. And what I think a lot of people don't know is that propolis and royal jelly is packed with antioxidants and virus and bacteria fighting elements. And actually the founder, Carly Stein was on the show a few episodes back talking about the incredible benefit. So I'll link that in the show notes. But it's amazing what incorporating natural uh, substances can do because your body recognizes them, it can use them effectively, and then you don't suffer any crazy side effects. And actually, Cameron Diaz was just talking to the founder the other day on Instagram about how much she loves the products. So you know, if Cameron Diaz is into the company, you know it's gotta be good. So head on over to beekeepersnaturals.com and use my code unstressed to save. You've been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful that we got this time together today. And if you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would share it out on your social media. Make sure to tag us at Motherhood Unstressed. Connect with us at Motherhood Unstressed. I'd love to connect with you uh, and see where the work has gone in the world. And make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss out on an amazing interview with an incredible guest or our weekly guided meditations every Wednesday.